0: Thanks for choosing to join us now for in the studio with Michael Card, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way, and
1: happy Thanksgiving to you, good brother.
0: Are you guys uh, big turkey meal kind of people?
1: We're not. We will uh, two or three days before Thanksgiving, we'll go up to uh, Susan's folks and kind of have it there. But then okay. we
0: lay pretty low for Thanksgiving. Okay, we don't have a lot of extended families. Yeah, so we're. We don't. We've kind of downsized through yeah, the years. Yeah, we that. do. It's yeah. not that
1: we're not thankful. No, we don't. No, have, no, no, no. We no. don't have
0: the big traditional. We don't have to have all the tryptophan and the turkey and all that. <laughs> that's in the football game or whatever. I, I don't need tryptophan <laughs> to take a nap. So, <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to our program today. We have some interesting things coming up, including. Uh, you're teaching on Hesed in the life of Jesus, which was pretty it, unique because it was recorded where? We we're in Israel, uh, actually, right on the Sea
1: of Galilee, which is pretty cool. I don't know that why that makes it especially <laughs> any better, but uh, it was in a beautiful, you know, beautiful setting. Sure. Yeah. So this is a part of one of your tours. Yeah, we did a tour that was especially, uh, specifically themed. Uh, around the word hesed and so we went to different sites that were associated with uh, acts of
0: hesed in the bible all right so we're going to hear your teaching that you gave that day to the right. tour group uh, right on the shore of the sea of Galilee. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty cool it actually. was cool oh it yeah. was cool yeah and then later dan brown will join us of the atlantic city gospel rescue Mission. one of
1: my favorite uh one of the most
0: creative and compassionate people i think i've ever known so it's going to be great to talk to dan Hey, thanks to our listeners who are responding, uh, especially in social media, because that tells others about our podcast. That's our brave new world, right? That's, that's where we're trying to reach out uh, to. Yeah, using Facebook and Twitter. On yeah. Facebook, it's facebook.com slash music. That's uh, where it would be helpful if you would yep. go there and, and uh, repost some of the stuff from there. Facebook.com slash music. On Twitter, it's twitter.com slash michael and then underscore card. And
1: we're asking for uh, suggestions for songs that you'd like to hear oh, that's or a good idea. questions yeah. or, uh, you know, uh, uh, guests you would uh, like for us to have. Any any input that you want to have
0: into what we're doing, we're, we're open. Good idea. All right. How about we begin with a song from you here today? Um, I'm okay with All that. Right. You okay with that? Yeah. This is called The Paradigm. Michael Cart in the studio. And then we'll hear his teaching, Hesed in the Life of Jesus.
2: He is poor, he is blind, he will be a paradigm One that Jesus' greatest finds there beside the road Calling out, he has the nerve to want what he does not deserve All the beggars begging for mercy from the Lord So come all you beggars up on your feet Take courage, he's calling to you to surrender your striving and find the nerve to boldly ask for what you don't deserve a timeless moment caught in time the beggar leaves it all behind then the perfect paradigm calls jesus by name calling out on his knees with one request he wants to see and he could see immediately when Jesus said go so come all you beggars up on your feet take courage he's calling to you to surrender your striving and find the nerve to boldly ask
1: Okay, since we're starting on the Jesus part, I just thought I'd do an inter, uh, introduction to Hesed in the life of Jesus. And I'll, I'll just do it by Gospels. Okay? Because uh, each one of the Gospels uh, presents Hesed in a slightly different way or in a slightly different uh, slant. And it's real simple to remember. Uh, so it's um, really, really easy. So we start with Matthew. W- one of the things that you long it, to, for is to hear Jesus say the word Hesed. And it's only in Matthew that he says it. Very important verse, Hosea 6.6. 6. This verse will become the sort of organizing principle of the reformation of Judaism. Uh, I don't know if I've told the story, but this is in the Talmud, when the, 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 the ruins of Jerusalem are still smoldering. Uh, a great rabbi named Yohanan ben Zakkai. I remember I said before before 70 A.D. Judaism was Judaism's. It was lots of things, and that's in the Gospels, right? Sadducees, Pharisees, Herodians, you know, uh, Essenes. What you know, you knew, and no one agrees on anything. After 70 A.D., it becomes one thing. Sadducees are gone, temples are gone, Essenes are gone. The Romans crucified all of them, and uh, the only group left standing are the Pharisees. Josephus. We have Josephus because he was a Pharisee and he makes a deal with Vespasian. And the other Pharisee who, who convinced the Romans that they weren't a threat was this person, Yohanan ben Zakkai, who was a follower of Hillel, who's my favorite rabbi. Uh, so they're leaving the smoldering ruins of, of, of Jerusalem, and Yosef, his, one of his students, says to, to ben Zakkai, uh, we have no longer a source of holiness in Israel, because the temple's gone, right? If, if you're a cult, is to sacrifice animals in one place, and it's destroyed and you can't come back. Judaism's, we're done. It's over, right? That's the significance of, of 70 AD. And after 70, we have, what, what two words is Judaism all about? Synagogue and rabbi. And those words aren't in the Bible, right? So this is, the reformation of Judaism is a big deal. So anyway, so Johann Ben-Zakai, he he says, we have a greater source of holiness and he quotes Hosea 6, six, I desire hesed and not sacrifice. So hesed really becomes the, the, the organizing principle of Judaism. And we eventually have Hasidic Judaism. That comes from the word hesed. A hasid, that's the Jewish word for saint. And I used to say that's a person who does hesed, but uh, David corrected me and let me see. No, hasid is a person who depends on the hesed of God, which is much more meaningful. So I, I say all that to say, this is the verse that Jesus shouts at the Pharisees twice in Matthew, and in, in Jesus' mind, it's sort of the the uh, antidote uh, to Pharisaism. So you you know these two passages. The first one is nine thirteen, and it's at Matthew's house. You can read these later on if you want to, but you know the story, right? Matthew follows Jesus, and he and he gives what Luke uh, refers to as a grand banquet, big party at his house, and the Pharisees are there, and and they justifiably ask the question of Jesus' disciples, why is your master hanging out with these people, right? These are not the people he should be hanging out with, right, they're sinners. And Jesus shouts at the Pharisees, he prefaces it by saying, go learn what this means. I desire mercy, and not sacrifice. And that, that, in that context, that helps you understand why, G- why Jesus thinks he's there anyway. He's there to do hesed. He's there as the person. I mean, they have no right to expect anything from him. He's going to give them everything, these tax collectors and sinners. The other passage in Matthew is in Matthew 12:7, And that's when they've been, uh, they've been uh, harvesting grain uh, on the Sabbath. And technically, they can do this because it's in the corners of the field and they're not using metal imple- implements. It's um, the oral law that says they can't be doing what they're doing. So Jesus breaks the oral law every chance he gets. Why does he spit and make mud and put on the man's eyes? Because it's against the oral law to spit on the Sabbath. I mean, every chance he gets, he breaks the, breaks those laws. He refers to those as rules made by men. It's this burden you put on people. The law is a good thing. It's a perfect thing that God has given us, but not the oral law. He does not like the oral law. So anyway, in 12.7, in, in again, he's being attacked by these Pharisees who say, your disciples shouldn't be doing that. They're rubbing their hands together to separate the, the grain to eat it. And... Uh, and Jesus, he prefaces it with a different statement. He says, if, if only you knew, had known what this means. See, if only you knew what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, then you'd understand. But, so, so once again, you don't understand because you don't get Hosea 6.6. 6. Um, so that's Matthew's, that's, that's the, the, the kind of the significant Hesed moment in the book of Matthew. Of course, and we'll look at a, a short list of parables in a minute significant number of his parables are about Hesed, and some of those are in Matthew. So that's Matthew. Uh, Mark, um, one of the, the, the key moment, at least for me, uh, is, is uh, Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, if you, if, if you don't read closely enough, you don't realize that Bartimaeus is one of the most important characters in Mark. I like to bother people by saying he's really the most important, other than Jesus, Bartimaeus is the most important character in Mark. He's the person that Jesus has been looking for for three years. I mean, yeah, for three years. If you read through Mark, which is Peter's gospel, right? Peter's dictating Mark uh, to, to Mark the gospel, and Peter, uh, one of his emphases is that you must believe before you see. And in the gospel of Mark, you know, anyone who asks for a sign, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. It's all about believing without seeing and Jesus is sort of constantly looking for someone who's willing to do that. And lo and behold, uh, as he's leaving Jericho, he's leaving Jericho. Yeah. He meets uh, Zacchaeus as he's going in, he meets Bartimaeus as he's going out. Um, Bartimaeus is blind. So he never seen he's perfect. He never seen anything, right? And and yet he he asks for what he doesn't deserve. And one of the little hints that he's an important person is that he's the only person in the Gospel of Mark who calls Jesus, Jesus. He's the only person who addresses Jesus by his personal name in the Gospel. So, um, and if you know the story, um, they the disciples tell him, shut up. They tell everybody, shut up, right? Jesus is too important. And he keeps hollering, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And mercy is one of the Greek words that hesed is in fact, in the Septuagint, it's the main word they use of the 250 times. It's about 180 times it's translated, Elios, mercy. So he's, son of David, have mercy on me. And uh, Jesus, is, they, they call him. And uh, he, he's willing to leave everything he owns because Mark tells us he leaves his cloak, which is what he spreads out on the ground to catch coins with when he begs. So he leaves that. <coughs> Uh, Jesus heals him. is very interesting. Do you remember how Jesus healed him? What word he he used? Go. And that opens his eyes, which I think is kind of cool. You know, no mud. He just says go. And he follows Jesus to Jerusalem. He's he's in. So um, there's another person in, in Luke that has the same sort of M.O., but he's willing to ask for what he doesn't, he knows, he acknowledges he doesn't deserve. And that's hesed, and Jesus' response to that. So that's um, that's the, kind of the moment. Uh, and that's in chapter 10. That's kind of the moment. Luke, I don't know if it's because he's a slave. I don't know if it's, it's, it's because he's close to Paul. Um, two of the gospel writers are followers of Paul. And two gospel writers' mothers were followers of Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? Mark and Luke were followers of Paul. You see a lot of Paul in Luke. But um, there, there are two, two incidences uh, or, two, or two moments in Luke that are significant in terms of hesed. Uh The first one is uh, the centurion. You all know that story, right? Uh, Jesus comes back into Capernaum. Are we going to go to Capernaum? Yes. Yeah, so we'll go. We'll see this place. We'll see the foundations of the synagogue that this soldier donated to the town. The sa- foundations are still there. They built another synagogue on top of it. So anyway, the elders of the Jew come to Jesus and you look at, just listen to the language. They say to Jesus, you need to heal this servant because he deserves it. And I always put a circle around deserve. Uh, so Jesus, you know, can't say everything all the time. So he goes, okay, so he leaves. Uh, and we know right where the military camp was. It was on the other side of the wall. It wasn't uncovered that long ago. Uh, there's a, I think it's Greek Orthodox Church over there. And as he's on the way, uh he sends the soldier sends some of his friends to jesus to say i don't deserve it but i want you to do it anyway okay i don't deserve to have you come to my house is what he says but he's basically saying i don't deserve it okay fair enough but then he says let's just say the word and i I call luke the gospel of amazement everyone in, in luke is amazed you know the shepherds and joseph and mary and the people and you keep wondering when is Jesus going to be amazed? And this is the one time in Luke that Luke says Jesus was amazed, and he's amazed that this man is asking for what he doesn't—he acknowledges he doesn't deserve—and by doing that, he shows that he understands the God of Exodus 34, right? Who's full of hesed, who shows hesed to a thousand generations. So, um, and the other—the other big, big hesed moment in in Luke. Uh, the other big moment in Luke is 6.35, and that's Jesus' definition of chesed. And it comes after a long discussion on why we should love our enemies. And, it, and I think there's a case can be made for the fact that this is really the most remarkable thing he ever said, although I've never even heard a sermon on it. In 6.35, 34 or 35, Jesus says, after he says, you should love your enemies. Why do we love our enemies? Because God loves his enemies. And he says, God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. He's kind, not puts up with, you know, he's kind. Crastus is the word. He's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. That's Hesed. That's what Hesed is kindness to people who don't deserve it, who are wicked, okay? So you call that grace if you want to, call it mercy, call it, you know, Hesed, call it whatever you want to call it. But I think that's Jesus' definition of Hesed. Uh, John, uh, the significant moment in John is in the in, in, introduction and, and uh, I think Seth referred it to it this morning, uh, this statement, hesed va emmet. Hesed, you we know that word. Emet is the word uh, for truth. Um, and that, that combination, those, the, of all the words that hesed draws to itself, that's the word that it draws to itself most often. I think it's 37 times. Um, and it's all through all through uh, the, the old testament but the most significant moment is exodus 34 where god reveals himself and god says that he is full of grace and truth full of hesed by Emmet. john 14 uh, 114 what does he say of jesus jesus is full of grace and truth he says it's the it's a hebraism he's turned hebrew into greek and one of the most important things when you're reading john is to remember that john thinks in hebrew but he writes in greek so when he uses a word like logos, word, he's not thinking Greek philosophy, he's thinking debar, the Hebrew word debar, which is how God creates things, right? So when he says that Jesus is the logos, the very, almost the next verse he says, uh, everything was created through him, you know? So it's, it's that, when, uh, when he opens his gospel, the opening uh, sentence in Greek, I think it's two or three sentences in translation. What's the first phrase of the Gospel of John? in the beginning, okay? That's the title of the book of Genesis in Hebrew. And not only does that, he opens, he bookends his opening statement on who Jesus is with the phrase, in the beginning. Now this is a guy who thinks, he's thinking in Hebrew. So when you read that Jesus is full, like God was full, is full, of Hesuvai it," John is saying, this, this is God. It's a, it's, a, it's a statement that points to divinity. Okay, he's full of hesed, imit, hesed, and grace and truth. Okay, and he, i mean, it's pretty simple stuff, but I think—I mean, they're all these are all passages, you know. Um, and I was just going to bring uh, up a, a few uh, parables and see if you if you recognize uh, uh, hesed in them. The the first one is uh, uh, in Luke. The um, uh, Good Samaritan now think about that what you know about that parable and, th- and remember think of Chesed um, um, the, 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 the man comes to Jesus and he says uh, what do I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus says well you know the commandments and he goes I've kept them already alright um, so what do I need to do and Jesus tells him the parable this parable of the Samaritan and you know, you know the story. They're going down from Jerusalem and this unnamed person is, is Luke says, he's, he's, um, he suffers at the, the hands of men of violence is the, word, the words that Luke uses. And he's stripped and beaten. He's basically dying. And here comes, here comes a priest. Jericho is the city of priests. So Jer- he's coming up. I think he's going down. No, he's going down, so he's done. He's already done in the temple, so he's going down. And then a Levite. And they pass by on the other side, and all of us Baptists would just go, oh, how horrible that is. But a Jewish person hears that parable and says, Of course. Of course he's not going to stop and help. He'll He'd be unclean. That makes perfect sense. But then this person comes along who is a Samaritan, who, by the way, this this person won't even say his name. And we know about the schism between the Jews and the Samaritans. And he, and again, this is a this is part of Hesed. Hesed is always over the top. He doesn't just patch him up. He patches him up. He puts him on his donkey. He takes him to the inn. He takes care of him at the inn. He pays the bill and says whatever he owes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back. Hesed is always at the top, like the father and the prodigal son. It's the ring and the shoes and the robe and the goat and the party. Hesed is always over the top. Okay. So but the, the interesting thing is um, Jesus asks the question, because this is how you do parables, you, you engage people with the question. He said, uh, how did he say it? Which one was, oh, neighbor? And who's my neighbor, right? Which one was neighbor? And what is the, what's the response? The one who had mercy. Of course, he won't say Samaritan. But the person who had mercy is the one who was the neighbor. And then Jesus says, we'll go and do likewise. Actually, that, that's, that parable came when somebody asked him the greatest commandment. Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, prodigal sign of Luke 15, same sort of, same sort of uh, it's a parable of Hesed." It's really a parable of the Father. Um, and what I like about that parable, and this may bother you, it bothers a lot of people. Um, I'm not convinced of the sincerity of the repentance of, that, of the boy. He, he's like the thief. He's, he's not sorry he stole. He's sorry he got caught. Right? Why does he decide he's going to come home? He's hungry. People at home got stuff to eat. I'm going to go home. And he re- rehearses this little lame speech. Father, I've been to you, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. And, and he's kind of practicing it. And, uh, but, but what I take from that is, uh, you know, the, the, the degree of how genuine our repentance is doesn't limit God's forgiveness. I mean, he came back. All you got to do is come back. Right? That's what repent means. It means to turn around and come back. In Hebrew and Greek, the word for repentance means just turn around, just come back. And uh, the onus is really on the hesed of God is obviously the father. And um, he, he sees him coming a long way off and runs to him. And, and there's all parallels to this in, the, in Jewish literature. Uh, in Talmud, it says, if you'll walk to God an inch, he'll run to you a mile, the Talmud says. So it's, it's all reflected in the Talmud. Uh, but again, it's over the top. It's the ring and the shoes and the robe and he, he doesn't even get his speech out. Look at, look at it. He gets half of his speech out before the father just envelops him. So that's a story about, about Hesed. And a lot of times in Scripture, we see this with Jonah, and we see it in this parable. There's a character who hates the fact that God is a God of Hesed, and that's the elder brother. He hates the fact that his father is so forgiving. And uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's a little bit of hesed. Uh The eccentric employer... In Matthew 20, uh, you know that story goes in in the in the early morning hires some people to work in the vineyard, and he goes three or four other times during the day until like at five in the afternoon when there's only one hour left. He hires these, you know, loafers that are still hanging out in the square, and he and pay time comes, and uh, he pays the the ones who've only worked an hour first, and they get a day's wage. Well, everyone else goes, man, we're going to clean up. This is going to be awesome. Well, he pays the people that have worked eight hours the same that he's, as he pays them. Well, you know the story. What you need to know is there's, there's a Jewish parable in the Talmud that's, that has the exact same, it's the exact same story. And the conclusion of the Jewish parable, the, the manager says, uh, this person made a full day's wage because he did more work in one hour than you did all day. So it's still about works. Okay? And there's a, a sidebar. There, there's a chance that actually... Not because people will say, I, I learned this in school, Jesus took that parable and adapted it. Okay, it may be the other way around. It may be that the parable tradition began with the teaching of Jesus and the Jewish community took Jesus' parable and kind of fixed it. But in Jesus' parable, it's about the hesit of the manager. It's my money. If I want to be merciful or grace or generous, because generous is also, if I want to be generous, what's that to you? This We agreed on this, so, you know, hit the road. So, uh, yeah, the eccentric employer. So the more you start looking, the more you're going to see Jesus is preoccupied with this idea. And, and, uh, but it all goes back to Exodus 34. It all—it's That's the moment we need to get in our heads. And I'm still trying to get it in my head.
2: Isn't it dark for this time of evening? Does it seem cold for this time of year? You will forgive me now for asking, but it seems strange to find you here, here in this empty upstairs chamber, just a few hours before the dawn. In a few moments he'll be coming, in a few moments he'll be gone. As they recline around the table As each of his followers finds a place As each of them gaze upon the mystery Of the dark riddle of his face Could they be wondering in the shadows Is this the end or just the start? If they had only learned to listen to the beat of the rabbi's heart the rabbi's heart it will be broken to finally break the fallen curse and the stillness of that heart was felt throughout the universe and then they'll find the faith to listen and new hope to make a start And they'll hear the sacred silence of The beat of the rabbi's heart What could he mean, this is my body? How could he say, this is my blood? How will he let himself be broken? Will he be poured out like a flood? In the confusion and the sorrow all of their hopes are torn apart but then the youngest leans and listens to the beat of the rabbi's heart the rabbi's heart it will be broken to finally break the fallen curves and the stillness of that heart was felt throughout the universe and then they'll find the faith to listen And new hope to make a start And they'll hear the sacred silence of The beat of the rabbi's heart Is that the morning light that's breaking? Is that the dawning of the sun? Now that the final meal is over Now will you simply go back home? Or will you linger just to listen for only an echo in the dark? Or hear the holy hidden power of the beat of a broken heart?
0: Michael's song, Rabbi's heartbeat, we're going to hear more of Michael Card's music coming up here on the program today. Hey, here's a great idea. Michael's book and CD combination Inexpressible, Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness is going to be released in December, but you can pre-order the book combination CD right now at michaelcard.com/hesed. Once again, that's michaelcard.com/hesed. Looking forward to reading Inexpressible, Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. Coming up, we'll focus on the work of a gospel rescue mission, and we'll replay a very popular feature from the past. Once again, welcome in the studio, and happy Thanksgiving again to all of our in-the-studio listeners. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Michael Card. How about a song, Michael?
1: Well, how about a song about the imagination, how the imagination is a bridge between your heart and your mind? so that you can bring all of
0: yourself to the process of listening to God's Word. How How, about that? How about that? How could I disagree with that? (laughs) All right, so on demand, we're going to ask Michael to sing this song that he wrote, The Bridge, here in the studio.
2: It was a legal-minded man, intellectually, to pile up and fester in his mind. So he asked the twisted question, what am I supposed to do? His mind said he should love, but his heart still wondered who. From the head to the heart, from the heart to see it as a bridge or a narrow Dangerous road. Then the man with all the answers left the wounded man to die, while the lonely, clueless stranger refused to pass him by. From the head to the heart, from the heart to the it's for the mind alone. It's the orchard in the apple seed. It's the seed that must be sown. It has to do with loving and giving all you have to give. And only those who cross the bridge can ever hope to live, can ever hope to If it ever will be told.
0: So glad we have your music as a part of this program, Michael. Thank you mm. for that. The bridge.
1: It's fun to play it live and not just listen to the CD. Yeah.
0: Although the CD has no mistakes on it. <laughs> <laughs> that we hear, right? Yes, <laughs> a lot of a lot of rehearsal time goes yeah. into that a bit. Yeah. Hey, remember uh, a number of years ago on this program, we went on the road and went inside Nashville Rescue Mission. Do you mm-hmm. recall that? That was a very meaningful conversation then.
1: Yeah, n- the Nashville Rescue Mission is one of the one of let me stress this one of the best rescue missions in the country. There's another
0: one that we're yeah. about to we talk. We just to. happened to have yes. Dan Brown with us, who is president of uh, another great one.
1: Yes. And um, we, we, learn, we learn a lot from the, the brothers at the rescue mission. In fact, we're going to play uh, some poetry from Billy, one of the guys at the, in the mission, uh, a little later on the program. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. But, Dan, welcome in the studio Thank here you. with us.
3: Thank you. My pleasure.
1: Yeah. Dan and I, how long have we been knowing each other, Dan?
3: Ooh.
1: I, since God I'm was gonna a boy.
3: Say, <laughs> I'm going to say 15 years yeah. from, since we first met.
1: Yeah. Who don't you know, Michael? Long? I just know, I don't know a lot of people, and I know the right people. Oh, I see. Okay, <laughs> so all right.
0: Works. Well, Dan is one of the right ones, because he's here on the program with us yep. today.
1: And we've been pl- we've been planning things for a long time. We haven't done very many of them, but we've been planning things. <laughs> we're going to well,
3: do... A- we we have done some wonderful things, yep. and, and we can and we'll just keep planning, because I know eventually it happens in the Lord's time, and yep. I have to be very patient yes. when I'm planning.
1: Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Well, we, we were going to do... Uh, it's kind of a life of Jesus thing, and have the a musical, and yes. all with guys from the mission. Oh, Is yeah. it, yeah.
3: It's still in play, and then and, and uh I haven't given up on it by any means. Yeah. Well, I think it's an awesome concept, and idea to bring to uh, to the public. What well,
2: was your
0: idea?
3: Uh, I- but it's your music.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, we have a very large audience right now that can hold Michael to it. So if you want to make yeah. a commitment right here, you can do that. You know.
3: Oh, Mike, <laughs> he's an awesome guy, and uh, I appreciate all the times that uh, we've worked together so far, and he's helped us uh, up here in the Northeast. Um, you know, getting the word out and the concerts that we've had, and and recently. Um, you know, the conference and the concert again, it was just really wonderful and lots of good feedback um, from the people that attended. So thank you, Michael, for all of that. That that was awesome.
0: Well, tell us about the Atlantic City Rescue Mission.
3: Well, the Atlantic City Rescue Mission has been in operation for over 54 years. Um, It started out as a little tiny facility on a a side street with a few men um, who were really strong Christian believers who knew that there was a need for an outreach uh, sharing Jesus with the public, and so it was this little tiny storefront that, after fifty four years, has grown into um, I guess our facility here is about fourteen thousand square feet it is uh, It encompasses almost a full block behind the Atlantic city Convention Center and um, uh, numerous programs uh, there 's vocational programs. Uh, programs in the kitchen for training in in all of those kinds of areas. But our most valued treasure and our most precious thing to us is bringing the gospel to those in need on a daily basis because we're serving the poor, the homeless, and the indigent, not only of Atlantic City uh, but of southern Jersey and even reaching out. We're the only gospel rescue mission within those boundaries of southern new jersey so it's absolutely an amazing work Um, we have um, men's program single women's program and a family program as well family life center Um, and the majority of the families that come are usually single moms with their kids fleeing domestic abuse so we've really uh, we have a special heart uh, for caring for those kinds of families and that kind of need but it is an awesome awesome work that we do here all gospel-centered, hmm. because you can feed a man, you can, you can buy him a new home, you can give him a new car, you can do all these things, but if you leave out the gospel, which is going to change the man internally, soul-wise,
0: Amen. leading yeah.
3: him to eternity in Christ, we, we've, if we haven't done that, then we've done him at
0: this job. Just- yeah. Michael, I know you feel strongly about rescue missions. I do, too. I think they're the unsung heroes of ministry. They, well, they're really on the front lines, aren't
1: absolutely. they? Absolutely, and Dan, Dan didn't mention the coffee house and the thrift shop.
0: I did not get yeah. there yet yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know how long yeah. you wanted me to get yeah.
0: is is Michael on your payroll yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but we we do have other kinds of things where we've uh tried to reach out and think outside of the box. Yeah. We started a uh, uh, as Michael mentioned a, a wonderful coffee shop where we have hundreds of people come. Uh, when it's open and there's no charge for it, there's no uh, fee. If you want to make a donation to help the mission there, you certainly can. But it creates a, a different kind of atmosphere uh, to break down some of the barriers in the neighborhood. And We're, we're located in an urban area um so there's a lot of barriers to break down and you guys work on that in nashville as well i know with with your programs that you've been doing and so reaching out into the community is a very very important thing for us as well and that coffee shop has broken down those kinds of barriers uh which has been just a wonderful opportunity for us along with the thrift shop Hmm. um we have people who specifically donate items to us and say We want that to go to the the thrift shop, and we're able to create this environment where it is absolutely 100 as affordable as you can imagine. You're talking about going in and buying a a large bottle of shampoo and making a donation for 50 cents. It, it really does have an impact on your local communities, That's like great. ours, you know Well, you had Michael at
0: Free Coffee, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: and, and um, I don't know if I should mention any of the supporters that have helped us with that, but there's very large, we would almost call them coffee institutions hmm. that have, have been donating us like 10,000 cups at a time, um, and Why really not? are behind sure. the it's program. Great. And uh, you'd be surprised, and it took me by surprise when they said we'd like to, we'd like to really help you with this. So, yeah. that's um, absolutely fantastic, incredible.
0: Well, you you mentioned the importance of the gospel. That, that's the yeah. primary thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Absolutely. Uh, so there's got to be some stories of changed lives, and we want you to tell us some of those today.
3: Oh my goodness! One of the ones that actually come to mind um, is a fellow who. Um, his name was Teddy and this guy, uh, and there's a lot of Teddy's. There's a lot of gems out there that just need to be polished mm-hmm. and, uh, have been led down the wrong road by, for one reason or, or another. But, uh, this fella, uh, had come from the Philadelphia area. He had been shot seven times, mm-hmm. stabbed seven more. And, uh, his life, as far as he was concerned, was going to be over. He had, uh, terrible alcohol addiction And he just was fighting, fighting, fighting. And someone recommended that he go to Atlantic City and go to the rescue mission to try to receive some help because every other door had been closed to him. Mm. So uh, he came down and uh, got into our program and then stayed in the program. You can go from a transient status, which is usually somebody who comes in and out, not, not necessarily anchored in any of our programs, but quickly went from transient status to a program, and then in the programs rose up all to every program we had, which our final one is an overcomer program, which they can be up to two years of really intense gospel training and teaching, which is is where we try to encourage everybody to go. Um, And in the end, this fella actually went to work. Before I was the CEO here, I had a construction company, And uh, an entertainment company. And I would hire people from the mission as they graduated these programs. And uh, Teddy looked like a guy who who really needed some more mentoring. And that was one of the main things. So he he came on board. We mentored him. He worked his way up to be my right hand man Mm -hmm. in that company. And um, when the mission needed someone, he was making really good money. The mission needed someone in facilities. Um, he came to me and said, Dan, I need to go back to the mission
0: oh, and
3: give my time to the mission because of what it has done for me. That's a what grateful man
0: right there, yeah. he.
3: Uh, I mean, it was a, a huge decrease in pay. Uh, he went back, and he stayed there. Um, he went home to be with the Lord about four years ago, and he, he in that arena there, he had found out that he had stage 4 cancer. Never wavered in his faith and worked up until uh, like three days before he actually went home to be with the Lord. Oh, boy. And um, we actually named uh, where the coffee shop is, that building is called Teddy Spadey Hall.
2: Mm. Oh, I love that story. uh, He
3: became one of my best friends in life. He was an incredible man and an inspiration through so much hardship. But, But when he gravitated to the gospel, when the Lord got a hold of his heart, this angry big man <laughs> uh, became, in the end, his name was Teddy. We called him a teddy bear. So <laughs> it was an absolutely incredible
0: story. We want to continue talking with Dan Brown here from the Atlantic City Rescue Mission. But, Dan, we want you to listen. We want to play something that we, we did a number of years ago here in the program. Right? It's another teddy, except his name wow. was Billy, and he was from Nashville. And uh, Billy wrote a poem about his uh, experience at the Nashville Rescue Mission, and Kirk Whalum came along and offered to uh, accompany it uh, with his saxophone.
1: He's one of the greatest sax players in the world, so this is we call this Mission Man. That's awesome.
4: From Lafayette to Nashville, I traveled one summer day. A broken man inside, I'd been crushed in every way. Satan turned me upside down and emptied all my joy. This man that stands before you is then a frightened little boy. He ravaged through my life, stole everything of value that I cherished. My beautiful daughter and loving wife, I was branded a failure, doomed to perish. From Nashville to View, I traveled one summer day. I came to meet three mission men who helped others find their way. They told me when to work, and they told me when to pray. They told me what to eat, and they told me where to lay. They said they too were lost, so it was a long, long time ago. They planted a seed inside of me, God caused that seed to grow. They spark the flame within my heart that burns brighter every day. Where once was empty darkness is filled with light today. I'm grateful to these mission men who all three act as one. For uniting me with my father and with his precious son. I thank God for the roses, Floyd Boggs and Clay King. I hope you men are smiling, can't you feel my spirit sing? I praise God for the Nashville mission and for putting these men on board. And when this world is over, great is their reward. Now wake up in dorm one, lights on in old dorm two. My brothers, I pray you realize that theirs is our mission too. God's called us to be a witness, to continue the work these men began. I pray the day I meet my Lord, he calls me a mission man. From Nashville to who knows where, I'll travel one fall day. I know not where I'm going, that's why Jesus is called the way. It's always
0: been very special for us to hear, and it still is every time we hear it, Mike. Yeah, we need to find out where Billy is and how he's doing. That wouldn't that be interesting to know? Yeah, good follow-up program. Well, Dan, you're hearing that for the first time. What's your reaction?
3: Oh, I mean, that's uh, that young man is just pouring his heart out. out, Has the Lord, you know, how the Lord has affected him in such such a. A wonderful, uh, uplifting way. I mean, he just opened up. His... That's incredible, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of guys like that who yep. who would love to just spill that out in that way. I mean, um, that was incredible to yeah. hear that. True to true to all of it, you know, in in the experience of so many men uh, and women at the mission.
1: Yeah. Well, the last time I was there, we talked uh, a little bit about uh, the clinic. You had had a clinic. That had been up and running for some time uh, by an outside entity, and they, um, because it wasn't profitable enough for them, they uh, they shut it down. And you and I, we prayed about that and yes. talked a little about about what we did in Nashville with Mercy Children's Clinic. And so uh, w- I just want to tell a story. I was just at a at a um, a retreat uh, uh, camp called Sandy Cove, and I sit down. Uh, next to a man named Paul and we're talking away and I said well where are you from he said well I'm close I'm from close to Atlantic City go oh really I said "Do you know about the rescue mission he goes no so I'm I go on and on about the rescue mission and I finally say yeah and we had a clinic and we had to shut it down because we we need a doctor and he goes I'm a doctor (laughs) it was just one of these incredible (laughs) moments so talk about talk about uh, a little bit about that need
3: well, that's something we really do need to go yeah. back and and really get up and going. And so we've been reaching out, and that was incredible connection, Michael. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm. And, but the concept behind what's happening here without um, – there's a couple levels here. Having proper nutrition. Uh, so that you can function and go back out and and work regularly. But if you are uh, uh, medically compromised, you're not going to be able to go back out and work correctly either. So Mm -hmm. it really, really is absolutely important to us to get this back up and going because Mm -hmm. it made it different for years. And it was a sad moment when when it was actually said to me, no, we can't continue because it's not profitable enough. And I kind of scratched my head and I... Like I didn't realize that homeless people, were, there could be
1: profit from that. <laughs> well, you said they—they only made two and a half million dollars that year.
3: That was—that was it. Yeah, um, and for us. You know, we're not looking for an ROI or return on investment, what we do here. We're not a business. Uh, If we are a business, we're in the business of building souls and helping people uh, restore lives in knowing and understanding who Jesus is so that they can, you know, be in paradise uh, through eternity. Mm. Um, But the medical piece. Really is so important in helping them uh to be able to function at a level where everything is understandable
2: mm-hmm. I
3: mean you know when people are out in the streets and they're and, and they 're homeless for for so many years like this uh they are medically compromised and it 's not that hard to, uh, to help them get back together. But if it's a profit venture that you're looking to do that, that doesn't work. But Mm. if you're giving your services because you want to serve God through serving the poor, we're here. Our hands are up and our doors are open to do this. So, Mm. um, anybody listening and, and thank you, Paul, uh, him and I are calling back and forth, though. We trust
2: it's that'll
0: really come awful. together. Yeah. Hey, we have just a minute or so left, Dan, but sure. I, I, this is being heard around Thanksgiving time. What happens at Thanksgiving at the rescue mission?
3: At the rescue mission during Thanksgiving, it's one of the most incredible times from Thanksgiving into the Christmas season. It's actually the, the for us, it's when we're the most busy. And in our kitchen uh, we can pr- we 'll be producing over a thousand meals a day during that time. It really goes up. We have communities uh, you know uh, members of the community coming in that are that are indigent and just struggling to maintain themselves even in their homes. They will come to the mission for that Thanksgiving meal. Mm. And so it really is an incredible time for us. And we it's just wonderful to be able to share the gospel at that level. You know, and it was Jesus's, it was his idea. We're just following his pattern. <laughs> he was doing this over a meal. Every time we sat down at a meal, we broke bread, we broke fish. There were incredible, miraculous things that took place. So for me... That happens on a daily basis on meals here.
0: You've been talking to Michael Card, haven't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I sounds, have. that sounds like something Michael would <laughs> say. <glad>. All right. <laughs>
1: okay, I I, wanna, I wasn't going to ask you, but I want to ask you, okay, during this Thanksgiving, Dan, what yeah. are you most thankful for?
0: For me? Yeah. I'm
3: most thankful for my Savior. Oh, yeah. my goodness. There isn't anything uh, uh, above that, just to, to know uh, what Jesus did. Uh, for mankind is just, um, I don't know how I could be thankful for anything else.
0: We agree on all that, Dan. Mm. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And thanks for telling us about the ministry, the Atlantic City Rescue Mission. I hope some people listening will get on board with you there and help out. So we, That's awesome. We really hope You're so. You're
3: welcome to go to our website and, uh, you know, check us out. We'll
0: link to that, actually. Yeah, with thank ours. You. So, okay. Let's uh, let's wrap this up, Dan. Would you like to hear Michael's song here?
2: Oh, always.
0: All right. This is the King of Love, Michael Card, in the studio.
2: The King of Love, my Shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am His, and He is. My streams of living water flow my ransomed soul he leadeth and where the verdant pastures grow with food celestial feedeth perverse and foolish oft I stray but yet in love on me and on his shoulders Of days, thy goodness faileth never. Good Shepherd, may I sing.
0: king of love, my shepherd is. Michael Card in the studio, and thanks for listening to this Thanksgiving edition of our program. It's great to meet Dan Brown here, Michael's friend, on the program today from Atlantic City Rescue Mission, and we'll put a link to that rescue mission on our website. Hey, also, Michael's book, the pre-release, is available of Inexpressible, Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. This is both a book and a CD, and you can pre-order it now at our website, michaelcard.com slash hesed. That makes it easy to find MichaelCard.com slash Hesed to pre-order a copy of Inexpressible Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at Michael Card Music and on Twitter, Michael underscore Card. Just search Michael Card on Twitter. You'll find it. And we appreciate you joining us here each week in the studio with Michael Card. Thanks for listening. Once again, happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners.